Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Hey, welcome to Healthy Children. As a parent, I personally feel our most important job in the entire world besides keeping our children safe and alive is helping them to navigate adolescence and beyond to become successful adults. It is our job because then it's like they say you're giving them roots and wings. I don't want to think about the wings part because my kids are still teens, but it's going to come down the pike, and we want them to go out into the world and be successful. And here to help us with that today is Dr. Ken Ginsberg. He's the founding director of the Center for Parent and Teen Communication, CPTC, and a professor of pediatrics at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Dr. Ginsberg, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. So first of all, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the Center for Parent and Teen Communication. What is that? The Center for Parenting Communication works to strengthen family connections during adolescence. And uh, there's a lot of things that we're working on in terms of changing the way parents think about adolescence and understand how much they can make a difference in their lives. Because, you know, the main question of adolescence is, who am I? That's what kids are trying to figure out. But I think there's a question of parenting adolescence, which is, do I still matter? And the answer is resoundingly yes. You matter so much to your child's well-being. So the Center for Parent and Teen Communication is about families navigating adolescence in a really positive way. And what everybody can do is go to the website, which is only a piece of what we do, but the website is really jam-packed with information on how to build relationships with your, with your child and how to navigate good times and to bring them back from challenging times. And that's at parentandteen.com. Well, that's a nice, easy website, parentandteen.com, the Center for Parent and Teen Communication. And we've learned over the years and for listeners of this show, Dr. Ginsburg, how important that communication really is. And we've also learned a lot about the teenage brain, which is a real alien body. It's something very different until it becomes this fully formed, you know, way that a child thinks and processes. So as we look at our teens today, do you feel personally that they're smarter, 
more worldly, more involved because of, you know, the fact of social media. They can see what's going on around the globe. They can be involved in causes. What do you think of our teens today? I think our teens today are absolutely wonderful. And I think that um, they have always been deeply idealistic. They have always looked at the world and wondered why it couldn't be better. And I think that some of the mythologies around adolescence hurt our perception of who our kids are. But I'm really proud of our teenagers who are working for justice, who are seeing wrongs and who want to right them. And I'll tell you, the teenage brain is an amazing amazing thing that is an evolution that allows us to really build their skills. Um, the teenage brain is, uh, is what makes them super learners. They are uh, taking on information like sponges. And if you know how to talk to a teenager, then you actually um, will find that teenagers are thoughtful and they can plan. Um, all, it's all a matter of how we talk to them and knowing how the teenage brain works enables us to um, really bring out the best in them. And if you'd like, I'll give you an example. Well, please do, because I remember the first show I did about the teenage brain, and it was before I had teenagers. And I said, oh, when my kids learn to drive, now I know I'm not going to yell at them while they're driving because their brains, these electrical wires can't process a parent you know, screaming at them while they're driving and then them trying to keep their eye on the road. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating topic in and of itself. Give us your example, Dr. Ginsburg. Yeah. So, so what happens is uh, the teenage brain is widely misinterpreted. Um, the truth is that teenagers are emotionally brilliant. The part of their brain that processes their emotions, that that feels what other people think is on fire. That is how they're learning to develop their empathy and their human relationships. It is brilliant. The thinking part of their brain is also growing very rapidly, but just a little bit behind. One of the great mistakes is to believe that kids can't be thoughtful or rational. That is completely untrue. But what, what happens is uh, we choose how we talk to our kids, and we can speak either in hot communication or cold communication. When we speak in hot communication, meaning angry and condescending in a way that they just don't understand, then what happens is we are turning on that brilliant emotional side of their brain, and they are running from the tiger, and they're not hearing anything that you're saying. So think about the way we normally talk to kids. We lecture them. A goes to B, which goes to C. I never imagined you're doing C, and now I wonder what's between your ears besides cobwebs. If you do C, you're going to move on to D, right? And then you're going to look at me, young lady, when I'm talking to you, because if this ends up happening, you're going to die. What do kids hear? Womp, 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 die. They don't hear a word that you're saying because it's hot communication. They understand your anger. They understand your condescension. And you've given them an algebra problem. Listen again. A goes to B. There are all sorts of intervening variables that make a difference to the outcome. It's algebra. You can't do algebra when you're running from the tiger. It's hot communication. You're going to bring out the worst in your kid. On the other hand, when we're respectful, thoughtful, and when we talk using short concepts like, huh, you're doing behavior A, and I'm worried that might lead to consequence B. What do you think about this? If you speak with that kind of cold communication, 
And don't make a mistake because cold communication is deeply warm. It's deeply caring, but it's calm. And when we do that, we get all of the brilliance of our kids, including their ability to think and to plan. So interesting. I love your example. You just cracked me up because I have seen parents. I've probably been that parent and then I catch myself. I do a lot of these and I get a lot of good advice from docs. And I, and, and I told you off the air, I had a sainted mother who, who was like that. And so I try and it's not always easy and we get stressed out. So sometimes it's not always easy to do that. But I'd like to jump for a second to social media and how it's affecting our ability to communicate with our kids, their growth and development into successful adults. Do you feel it's positive? Is it a little bit of both, some negative, some positive? Because it does give them an eye view that we never had. Of course, it's a little bit of both, right? Um, So they can be not more worldly from the point of view of their brains or their emotions, but they certainly know more. And they can at their fingertips they can reach for information and find an answer or not, right? So let's go back to the or not. But it also means on the positive side that kids are no longer isolated. Imagine what this pandemic would have been without social media, where they really were out of communication with their friends. Imagine what it is for the kid who might be different than many of their peers and who would have been isolated in times past, but can now find an online community. So there's no question that there are advantages. However, there also are problems. And like all of parenting, we have to be guiding our kids in their journey towards adulthood. And with the internet gives us a perfect example because there are people out there completely spreading falsehoods. There are people out there whose intention is to divide us. There are people out there who are giving information that is not science-based and doing it to earn clicks. So we have to make sure that our kids are media savvy as well. And we have to make sure that they understand that even when they're with their friends, once you put your little finger and press send, you can never take it back. And that's very different than when we were growing up. When we were growing up, we could apologize. And there was no memory. But now memories will last for decades. So we have to get our kids really savvy about navigating this world. You are so right. And and it's definitely something that you have to communicate with your kids, you know, knowing what sites and as you say, there is so much misinformation out there. And yet, it can help our kids and our teens to see other cultures, other areas, what's happening, and the news, which can also be very stressful. But how can we utilize that? I mean, I, I think that when, the, when we see these kids that you mentioned, like the Parkland kids, which choke me up when I even think about these kids, starting a movement. And, and Barack Obama said, children have led every great movement throughout history. And it's really is true. The youth have led these movements. How can we instill in them? to help make them successful adults. That sense of gratitude, that sense of 
empathy and compassion and caring for others that can help them to maybe do community projects and community service, which helps them in their resume, it helps them with college, and it helps them on down the line? So the simple answer is model, 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 model. Be who you hope children see in the reflection of their eyes. That's the bottom line. Be the person you hope your children could be because we're raising our children to become healthy 35, 40, and 50-year-olds. We have to stop looking at the children right in front of us and focusing only on their grades or focusing only on their happiness, and we have to begin thinking about the adults we're raising. Well, we are the model of those adults, so be that person. However, you can't be everything So make sure that your child is also exposed to other people in your community who are good role models for these kind of issues. Let's go backward for a minute, because Barack Obama was correct. Youth have always been at the forefront of social movements. Whether you're talking about Parkland youth, whether you're talking about Black Lives Matter, youth have a understanding that things don't have to be the way they are. I choose to be aspirational in this time. I choose to say that if, if our youth are listened to in many of these ways, we're going to build a better world. We don't, as adults, see things that are just embedded and considered normal because we've given up. Adolescence is an amazing time, right? The two-year-olds and three-year-olds are all about whys. Right? And it can make you crazy. Like, why is the sky blue? Why is this? Why is that? But we love our two-year-olds, and we answer every question. Well, adolescence is the second period of the whys. But it's not just about whys, because they call us on what's wrong. They call us on what shouldn't be. And they say, explain this to me, because I want something better. And what we have done for too long is shut our kids down because they're making us a little bit uncomfortable because they make us look at ourselves. And instead, if we want to build a better world, we celebrate them asking why again. And then we look at them and we say, build us something better. And then we give them the resources and the skills to do so. Wow, I couldn't agree with you more. And I use those things as such teachable moments. I love when my kids say why. And I loved studying with them because we were able to, like when they had, they took their constitution tests, I was able to sit with them. I love studying social studies and economics and, and history with my kids because I can say to them, so how does what's happening now? You know, how does that apply to what happened blah, blah, blah. Or how is that? Take what these guys said, what they wrote. So it is a really great time when your kids ask that question, why? To take it and say, this is why. And let's look at the reasons and let's expand it and and ask more questions. I mean, that's really the crux of this. So when we're talking to our kids and we're trying to teach them to be successful adults, we've talked about the why, we've talked about resilience and gratitude and all of these things. And then there's some physical stuff, Dr. Ginsburg. There are things that kids need to understand to be successful adults, chores, helping others, cooking their meals. They got to learn about paying bills. 
using a credit card properly, applying for jobs, all of these things. Is this up to the parents? Or is this something they get in school? And if not, what do we do? It's up to the community of adults that surround the children. And whether or not they get it in school is going to be dependent on the school. And whether or not they get it at home is going to be dependent on the adult. Um, I am someone who took great pride in supporting my children's uh, sense of justice, in um, supporting them to be able to learn certain skills. I couldn't possibly teach them how to turn a screwdriver or change a tire, right? I am literally as comfortable as I am with people. That is how uncomfortable I am with changing a tire, right? And so I'm not going to believe that it's my responsibility to teach them to change a tire. But I have a neighbor who taught them, right? So we really shouldn't take all of this on ourselves as individuals because we will fail and we will feel bad about ourselves. Your, your job as a parent is to love without condition and to understand that the best way to protect your child is to prepare them for the future in all of the ways you mentioned. But that doesn't mean it's all on your individual shoulders. It means you come up with a plan. Sometimes you have a neighbor teach your kid to change the tires. That's really true. And again, that's community involvement and getting our kids involved in things and, and, and using the village as a way to help raise all of our children. We give to them, they give to us, and we all work together to raise these resilient, wonderful children that are going to lead our future. So wrap it up for us. Give us some resources. Tell us a little bit more about the CPTC, the Center for Parent and Teen Communication, and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and, and kind of wrap it up with how we can help our teens navigate adolescence to become these really successful adults that we want them to be, that it's our main goal to do as long as we keep them safe doing it. That's exactly right. So the Center for Parent and Teen Communication is a center where we try to teach people how to strengthen families by giving you skills. And we have sections that are written exclusively for parents, and we have sections that are written for young people because communication is a two-way street. And young people should also know how to talk to their parents in a way that really is supportive. Um, the website, parentandteen.com, will also teach you specifically how to, be, how to find that right balance, um, which we really talked about today, the balance of loving without condition while still having the boundaries that keep your kids safe and the rules that ensure that they'll do the right thing. So all of that is at parentandteen.com. I also want you to know that I've written um, several books for the American Academy of Pediatrics, both for parents and for professionals. Um, the parent book is uh, Building Resilience in Children and Teens, um, Giving Your Kids Roots and Wings. Because those wings that we all fear, that's not our kids flying away, right? That's the concept of the empty nest, which I reject entirely. When we give kids wings, when we really support their independence, then they can fly and return for safe landings, and your relationship will be um, endure into the future and even grow. I have two 24-year-olds, and when they were six, if they when they were 16, 
I said that uh, they were my best friends, it would have been pathologic because they would have needed like me to do boundaries. They didn't need me as a friend. At 24, they're literally my best friends. And that's wonderful, right? It's completely healthy. Speaking of my girls, the other book, which is called Raising Kids to Thrive, I wrote with my girls when they were 17. And it's advice from over 500 young people on how parents, as well as, of course, for me, how parents can find that balancing act between loving without condition, but holding your kids accountable to being their best selves and protecting your kid while still preparing them um, and letting them experience life lessons that are the real best learners or best teachers in life. So well put, Dr. Ginsburg. Thank you so much for coming on with us today and sharing your really incredible expertise to help us with our teens, to help them navigate adolescence and become successful adults, which is certainly our goal. And listeners, please share this show with your friends and your family, because we are all learning together from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. And it's so important that we learn together and share because that's how we can help our children together work on those communication skills, and we're going to see a better outcome for our children. You can listen at Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are played. We'd like you to listen at RadioMD.com. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening, and stay well.